Welcome to this latest podcast from Exeter Expertise. Today we're speaking to Mark Thompson, Professor in Digital Economy at the Index Centre at the University of Exeter Business School. And we're talking about the subject of digitalisation and its potential for its greater adoption in the public sector. Mark, a very good afternoon to you. Thanks very much, Debbie. Thank you. Uh, well, thanks for joining us. Um, what I'd like to start with is very much let's look at things from a, a UK context. We're obviously both of us are sat here at the moment. And compared to other countries, where does the UK sit in terms of digital transformation? Are we a leader or have we got some steps to catch up on? Great question. I think I would say that we were quite quick out of the blocks. We used to be a leader if we'd asked this question. I don't know, 2010, 2012, up to sort of 2014, 15. I think the creation of government digital service and a bunch of policy initiatives that deliberately shook up a very traditional siloed approach to procuring technology in UK public sector had produced some waves which were widely, I think, admired uh, around the world. And, and the UK would have been seen as, if not the leader, certainly one of the top one or two. At about the same time, of course, many people talk quite rightly about Estonia, whose crossroad data exchange platform formed the basis for a lot of great digitalization initiatives. Others point to Singapore, who have set up something called a Centre for Strategic Futures, which is specifically looking at policy initiatives around digitalization, improving public services. Singapore is also very advanced, for example, in using digital twins to map the entire city in terms of smart cities, and, and, and obviously they've got the opportunity to do that. Others come to mind, like Denmark, Korea. I think in summary, we started well. Now I think we're probably sixth, seventh, eighth in the global league, I should think. Why is that? I won't go on about it too much, but I think there's been something of a policy vacuum, not just in the last kind of uh, couple of years where, where politicians appear to have been somewhat distracted by other affairs. But I think over the last kind of four, five, six years, there hasn't been much political leadership from people who really get digitalization and digital transformation at ministerial level and who are determined as a consequence to apply that to improving our public services. So I think we're slipping down the league. Okay, so not the most positive of news, but in terms of the UK, we're talking today specifically with you about the public sector. But if we look at different industry sectors across the board here, are there some that very much are examples of best practice and others lagging behind? What's the kind of mix of industry sectors? That's a good question. I think if we look across the UK, there's a broad distinction between some of those kind of knowledge intensive sectors, which have found it probably a bit easier to make that jump because there's less capital intensive physical stuff, I guess, to digitalize mm -hmm. and figure out. So ICT, uh, media, finance. Okay, so we're used, if you like, to kind of seeing the kind of level of digital innovation, for example, in finance or or the way in which media really has come a long way since we brought our broadsheet on, on, the, on the station on the way to work every morning. So those have really transformed not just the operating model, but the business model. In other words, they have reinvented their understanding of their purpose and the way that they generate value. And I think probably a second wave that are kind of ripe for that is those capital intensive industries such as advanced manufacturing, mining, automotive, real estate, chemical utilities, who I think are now starting to optimise their operating model by digitising their physical assets, because now we've got this second wave of edge computing and, and wearables and, and all of those sorts of sensor-driven edge to the internet now. So, so I would say that's in the second wave. But the, the first wave was definitely those kind of knowledge-intensive sectors, which, of course, in some ways, and you'll, you'll sense my passion here, makes it all the more terrible that the public sector, much of which is very knowledge intensive, if process heavy, is starting really to lag very, very far behind indeed, with, with serious social consequences. 
And obviously that's not great news for, for any of us because all of us use public sector services in, in, in so many ways. So what would you say are some of the key reasons why this very important sector is lagging behind? This is a very complicated subject and we could do some simple <laughs> podcasts just on this alone. Right. But I'll keep okay. it very, very simple. I think those legacy industries that built up their people and their processes and their tech a long way before the internet, when we could start swapping data around by the kind of pipes and plumbing of the internet, I think those legacy industries that are most siloed really, really struggle. So if we think about the structure of our public services, we've got 430 councils, each surrounded by health, social care, police, ambulance, third sector and housing. At the front end, they do myriad things, but at the back end, they all do pretty much versions of the same thing, right? They make and receive payments, they check your identity, they do licensing, they do registration, they do HR and processing and case management, and again and again and again. And they don't even do them, right? Their supplier communities do it, salami slicing, flogging them, different versions of the same thing. Same with our 650 NHS trusts, of course. Same with our 43 police forces. Dare I say 130-something universities. We could go on 1,500 social housing providers, all of whom have this terrible baggage of this historical inertia generated by all of these pretty redundant processes, it's got to be said. So, you know, if you were an alien now, you would look upon the way that we run our public services, where the things that citizens care about, doctors, teachers, nurses, daycare centres, social workers, roads, parks, libraries, are being cut, cut, cut to the bone, and some councils are going out of business. We are now having a national discussion, of course, about our 55 billion deficit, and we're finding now that the NHS appears to be on the brink of collapse and yet here's one searing question for you toby let's take health imagine that we could quantify put a number on the amount of non-clinical spend in healthcare right that doesn't touch a doctor or a nurse and that is kind of just just lost in this widespread back-end duplication, this circus of of people leeching money out of the health service. Would that be 10%? Would it be 20%? Would it be 30%? Or would it be, I've spoken to some people who think it might be over 40% of the total NHS budget going on non-clinical activity. And there is a solution to it. We could fix the NHS in some ways, and it seems politically risky of me even to say it with with, with a small p, but there is so much money available in the NHS it's almost slopping out the sides. The problem is we are presiding over a very, very legacy structure with enormous silos and eye-watering levels of duplication and waste. And there are ways to start tackling this. So for as long as we're stuck with this very, very legacy silo duplicative public sector structure, I think we are going to struggle ever to address some of the kind of public services that we all need and and deserve. And the social consequences, meanwhile, they're hideous. Absolutely. I think everyone would agree with that. Going into that in a bit more detail, it it sounds very much like you're suggesting there's an element of centralisation. But what what are some of the practical suggestions if you were talking to someone? I guess the way to cut through, I sometimes find with people who quite rightly have better things to do than sit and think about digital transformation all day, like me, is look at the Heart FM model. So you've got sort of, I don't know, 45 regional radio stations, Heart FM, Exeter, Heart FM, London, Heart FM, Hertfordshire, whatever. And if you're listening to Heart FM in one of those regional stations, you get local weather, local DJs, local advertising, local traffic, local gossip, local stuff for local people. Brilliant. 
Except, of course, Heart FM isn't daft enough to also run 45 local back-end offices with each of their finance systems and recruitment and CRMs, and you get the picture, right? It's all centralised in some tin shed in... Who cares? I don't care as a listener to Heart FM. And yet Heart FM is able to deliver to me local services tailored to my local needs. Now, that's a simplified solution, but the idea is... Where there is no public value in differentiation and producing different stuff, in other words, is it really important that my local hospital in Exeter has a different customer relationship management system or patient administration system than one in Leeds? Of course it's not. Patients don't care about that. So rather than a kind of drive to centralise things, it's more, I think, a drive to say, let's have a focus on the bits in the digital economy that citizens really care about and must have tailored around them. And then let's start thinking about consolidating the back end so we don't consume slightly different versions of the same thing. And if we can do that, we can start to share data. And the more we can start to share data, we can start to join up public services around citizens, which is take the health and social care conundrum, trying to join those two together is very, very difficult at the moment because we've got these vertically integrated silos. And I guess the killer question then is, why is this happening? So what are some of the barriers preventing this change? I've thought and spoken and written about this at length for a long time now. I have to say the most serious one, I would say, was education. And I don't simply mean in terms of tech skills. Government's actually quite good at recognising that we need more tech skills. And that's great. I can always hire a good technologist. So we do need more tech skills. But what we need almost more than that is leaders in not just the public sector, but many in the private sector too, who understand the fundamental disruptive impact that the digital economy is having on traditional ways of conceptualizing your day job. If I had my way, if I was kind of a prime minister for a day, I would ensure that every minister, certainly directorate level people in the public services, were not allowed to get their hands on the levers of power until they'd been through a business-centered technology transformation education program. Not training, but education. So I'm not trying to make technologists of people, but it's, I think, unacceptable these days for people who don't understand how digital technology is transforming every single sector you can think of, from running refugee camps to art to accounting to medicine, why on earth that wouldn't apply equally to our public services? In fact, it applies a lot more. I just can't think. And just finally on that, if you were a pension holder and you went to the AGM of a major pension organisation, you ask the question to the chief exec and the board, could you outline to me your plans for safeguarding my pension in the choppy waters of the digital economy? And they umdenard and couldn't give you an answer. You would deem them to be incompetent and want them to be fired, right? If you were to ask the prime minister and the cabinet of this country and or most of the directorates of major public departments the same question, I would be very, very surprised if you got a concise answer. In a nutshell, I don't think we have people who value and who are competent in the implications of the digital economy for transforming our public services. I fervently believe for the budgets we have in the UK at the moment, we absolutely could have great public services, but there would be a lot of disruption first. Absolutely, as there has been in all other industries. My goal would be to ring fence the money for public servants. I'm not an apologist for privatising it all, or that's not the answer at all. But I am an apologist for clear-headed thinking about where public money is spent. And it could be spent on public services rather than a lot of reinvention of the wheel that doesn't serve anybody. And that's the challenge. 
going back to the comparisons, if we compare the UK public sector, are there some best practice examples that you can refer to from, from other countries where actually digital transformation in public sector life has been or is very much a success? I think it's fair to say that there is, certainly in my view, and other people may give you different ones, there isn't a single shining example that other governments could look at and say, look, let's just copy that. They've got it all right. I mentioned a few a bit earlier who who are often mentioned. One or two people have been making inroads into identity, which is one of the big issues that we've got. One or two people are starting to look at, interestingly, sharing on a sort of Lego brick modular basis, many of these capabilities in the back end of governments. In fact, there's something called GovStack. It's worth looking up that I think is a collaboration between various governments and one or two international agencies. And GovStack is literally building these sorts of Lego bricks, bugging you in the cloud, and hopefully going to be encouraging governments to say, don't reinvent the wheel over here. Why not just consume one of these standard things and save yourselves a fortune? So that's quite interesting. I also think there have been some moves actually rather than just looking abroad in the UK. So something called the Local Government Digital Declaration happened two or three years ago. And that was a bunch of councils now, I think about 230 have joined, saying... We're going to come together. I think there's a sort of GitHub repository at the back end somewhere. and But we're going to come together and we're going to share code libraries, APIs, transformation plans, business process diagrams, technical architectures, code libraries. We're going to start to share stuff. And what's more, if my tenure outsourcing deal is coming up for renewal, I'm going to start talking to some of you others out there to see where you're at so that we can then maybe, in the nicest possible way, get more commercially competitive, use our collective might and beat up the supplier base a bit. So there are some moves towards consolidation of all of that crazy wasted effort at the back end. But I think we're a long, long way off. Maybe the question is, given the terrible state UK public finances are in at the moment, will that, for better or worse, start to act as a bit more of a burning platform? Another way of putting the question is, do we really think that UK public services are going to be organised and look the same in 20 years as they are now, you know, surrounded by all of the stuff that we're surrounded by in terms of the digital economy and digital transformation and, and, and digital services? And if the answer is no, let's, for heaven's sake, get ahead of the game, you know, and start really thinking about how we might transform public services. So I think we do have a government digital service. I think GDS has latterly placed most of its emphasis on building things. And there's nothing wrong with building things. But the problem is, is I think many people across government have looked to GDS and seen the example that building things is all about being digital and thought, well, to be digital, what we need to do is to build some things and talk about user needs a lot. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. But it's a substitute, unfortunately, for the much tougher stuff of thinking about how we redefine the operating model of our public services to address all of those silos, to start to join up and share at the back end. Once you start doing that, you can build much better things at the front end that citizens like, because you're sharing that data. And you're also redeploying a ton of cost. I'm thinking billions here mm -hmm. to the front line and to those front line services. That is an excellent point to end on. Mark, thank you very much for sharing your views. Incredibly important to anyone listening. So thank you very much indeed. Pleasure. Thanks for inviting me.